What's up, guys? This is Josh. Just a little note before this much-anticipated episode starts. Uh, We had a little audio issues with Chris's voice. Um, His mic was not working properly, so I had to go and do some editing, and I suck at editing. So um, it's not the greatest sound in the world, but it's definitely tolerable. But just wanted to apologize for the quality issue here. We're actually working on getting some new recording equipment. We're we're working on the equivalent of a, a $20 spinning reel and a 10-year-old ugly stick right now. Um, so we're working on getting some better audio equipment, so maybe see uh, some stuff from us in the future on that. But uh, anyways, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. This is a great interview and some insight into a guy who is uh, well-known in the smallmouth community. So anyways, hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Smalley Talk Podcast. This is your host, Josh Shrinko. Sitting next to me is my co-host, Christian Vaughn. What's up, Chris? What's up, buddy? Hey, I just want to clarify a couple things based on the interview uh, last night. Number one, I didn't skip Andrew Ragus. You see, you can't even say his last name right. I I didn't skip his uh, interview because Ragus. Put some uh, respect on that. Because I'm a fly fisherman and he's not. I, I skipped it because we've been doing a lot of podcasts lately and my wife is out of town and I have the kids. So that's the first one. Number two, there was something else I needed to respond to. <laughs> and I can't quite remember what it was, but if I think of it later, I'll have pause on it. I think right. it was something about fly fishermen being weirdos. But anyways, well, they are. We have a one of the – I guess that I would say our listeners are – very excited to hear from. Uh, he's patiently waiting on the other line. It's it's you know I wouldn't say he's quite YouTube influencer. Oh, he's influencer, dude. Uh, what well, it you well, you're back? Okay, B you're a, listen, it, it listen. Just, you're just bashing listen. our guests before we no, even no, no, ask no, no, him the first no, question. This is terrible. Here's what I'm, say. Here's what I'm saying. <laughs> there are people on YouTube that have more subscribers than NDA. That's like saying, but listen. But that's not saying you're not rich because you're not Bill Gates. No, There's but, obviously but listen, people with more subscribers. Just, just shut your mouth and listen. <laughs> okay, but, but here's what I will say: uh, of the people who really know what's going on with smallmouth fishing, uh, I would say that he has a devout viewership. I would say a cult-like following. I would say that this this guest is a notorious creator of fishing content. And probably one of my favorite channels to watch, for sure. This is quite the introduction, but it's well-deserved. I'm buzzing, man. I mean, this, this, <laughs> I've been watching his videos for years. Matt, well, so, so without further ado... Yes, without further ado. We have Matt Nelson, a.k.a. Indiac Angler on the other line. What's up, Matt? How's it going, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. Our pleasure. I mean, seriously, I've got... We asked for questions from our listeners. Uh, I got several several questions here that we've written down, uh, and right. I've also got several solicitations to see if you need 
like a live-in butler or maybe just a new best friend from one of our, you know, as one of our listeners or, you know, I've got several, several requests and several things that we want to cover with you, but uh, we just want to say how much of a pleasure it is to have you on and uh, looking forward to the conversation here. So um, where, and why don't you just for the people who, you know, have had their head buried in the sand for the past few years, where are you based out of and, and tell us uh, kind of what you're, what you're known for. All right. Well, I, I live in Fargo, North Dakota. It's right on the North Dakota-Minnesota border, basically. So I do a lot of fishing in eastern North Dakota, western Minnesota. Um, I've been kayak fishing since oh, was it 2011 I bought my kayak. Um, mostly fished lakes that first year. 2012, I, I went and fished a stretch of river with my friend and hooked into my first smallie ever, and I've been pretty much addicted to smallmouth bass fishing, especially river fishing for them ever since then it's just so much fun my my preferred way by far to spend the day out in the kayak is floating the stretch of river and chasing smallies awesome yeah uh, so, yeah so we're your you, brothers in arms right now absolutely. so <laughs> so did you yeah. not did you not grow up uh fishing then i mean is this something you kind of picked up later on in life well i did we actually had a lake cabin um when i was a kid growing up in Ottertail county minnesota we had a cabin on a little lake, so um, my, my parents never really fished that much, but I picked up a rod and reel combo, and I was probably five years old at a garage sale and a bag of plastic worms and nice. <laughs> started experimenting. That uh, was back before internet or cell phones, so I'd get uh, Bill Dance and Jimmy Houston on Saturday mornings and in Fisherman Magazine, and had my grandpa teach me a few things about fishing. He'd come out there and tool around in his little fishing boat mostly trolling for pike and stuff but that's really where my love of fishing started and then that kind of gave it up our, our cabin flooded when i was probably about 13 years old so through high school i didn't really fish much um i started getting back into fishing we have the red river that flows right through town here so i, I started back with with cat fishing and then my buddy talked me into getting that kayak which i kind of thought was a crazy idea at first that was before i really ever knew that sit on top style kayaks existed um so yeah, and and you and you, kayaks and, and you still paddle wilderness systems. I might add, um, I'm on the yep. wilderness systems yeah. team. So I just got to get I just got to get a plug in for the sponsors. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. I, and and here's and here's the thing, Matt. If you ever wanted to introduction to the wilderness system team, I'm sure they would love to have which, you. Which I'm just us, saying. Which brings us <laughs> to one of our first questions here. Uh, one of our first questions is. Uh, why, why aren't you on any, any pro staffs? Because you obviously have a very successful following and a very, you know, dedicated followership. So what, are you on any pro staffs? Why don't you like yeah. that? Um, no, I'm not right now. I've had plenty of offers, but I don't know. I have some friends that have gone that route and they just, they just want too much control over what you post and all that kind of stuff. Um, Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just don't like having the obligations. I, I like going out there and enjoying my time out on the river. That's that's more what it's about for me. Just getting out there, having fun, taking in the nature, and yeah, I would. I I totally understand that, man. And um, but wilderness systems. That, that's one. Of, there's there's a few brands that I really wouldn't mind representing, and that, that'd be one of them. Them like Saint Croix rods. Couple of companies that I am really speaking my language, of, but, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess 
we've been, or at least I think I started watching your channel before Chris did. I think I'm the one that introduced him to you, but I've, man, I don't, I, you probably only had a thousand subscribers when I started watching you. And it's kind of one of those things, you know, I don't watch a lot of YouTube videos, <clears throat> but especially in the off season, I get, you know, a little cabin fever and yeah. it kind of just like, what's my whistle a little bit, you know, get, gets me. I mean, honestly, Matt, I'm going to be, I'm going to be real honest. I fell asleep to your channel last night oh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as I do a lot of nights, but, uh, no, um, no. So, <laughs> so what, what kind of get my average view time up at least? Exactly. I just left it on. I left it on I autoplay. Think what you're saying is that his videos yeah. are so boring, you fell asleep. <laughs> no, it's because it's the tenth time I've watched them. So, um, no. So, what you know? There's a lot of guys out there nowadays doing that. I think when you first started, it was a little bit more of a rarity to have like a real quality, you know, fishing channel. And then that's obviously you know grown. To some point, and you've grown as a channel over the last, I think, ever over the last like year, year and a half, you're you've kind of exploded in viewership. Yeah, it's been crazy. I think two years ago, I had maybe four or five thousand subscribers, and that just hit fifty thousand. Yeah, a couple days ago. Yeah, and so 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 besides, I never thought it would grow like it has. Yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me. And besides the fact that you do the exact type of fishing that we both enjoy, you know, we're both river smallmouth guys for good reason i don't think that needs any explanation to you why we like that type of fishing um but you know the something that i feel like you do really well is you don't you don't dress up your videos um you're like really like simplistic you just put it out there but you know you you put you have really good audio um you and and I'm curious. I I know I think I've seen a video that shows your like audio setup, but I your topwater videos, dude. It's it's like you're like out there actually fishing. How do you how do you get that such like a crisp audio of that uh, those fish? Is that something you've kind of worked on over the years? Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I've had a system I use for a few years now. Um, it was a little bit trial and error, figuring out what works for me at first. But, yeah, I mean, I just record the audio separate from, from the GoPro. I mean, GoPros have notoriously bad audio. The newer ones aren't as bad, but yeah, I still get much better results using a little Zoom H1 audio recorder. And mm. um, like the Topwater videos, he said, I, I just have the, the audio recorder itself sitting mounted right underneath the GoPro, basically. And and the audio quality from that is great. The only downside is that the wind is more than 10 miles an hour, so you get a ton of wind noise. But hmm. it's a nice stereo recording, so you get those birds chirping from both sides and the, the fish splashing, and it sounds great. Even with the hat cam running a lapel mic up to the GoPro, it's just one channel, but the sound quality is so much better. Yeah, I think that's but, what but makes I, makes it a lot. It feels a lot different than a lot of guys' channels because of that. Um, yeah, and I'd say about half of my video editing time is spent just fixing up the audio files, toning down a lot of the, the loud noises, smacking the rod into the kayak hull and stuff like that. Just make it a little yeah. bit more relaxing, I guess. Yeah. Well, you've done a hell of a job, man. That, Like I said, that channel was wildly entertaining, and 
you know, like I said, it doesn't surprise me that you've kind of blown up the past couple years. Um, now, what do you uh, what do you do on the like full time, Matt? Do you have do you have a background in audio or what? What's what's going on? Um, no, I just kind of played around with the video editing and figured that out myself. Um, I actually don't have a job right now. I got laid off in December, so this is going to be the first year I try to do the YouTube thing full time. I might do a little bit of guiding on the side this summer too, but yeah, I've I've always kind of worked. Uh, like delivery type jobs i was with fedex for several years um the last five six years until i got laid off i was uh, a prescription med courier i'd drive about 550 miles a day out into central north dakota and hitting all the little little town pharmacies and hospitals and stuff um and and it was really nice i'd do that three days a week 12 hour days so i'd have the rest of the week off to get out and fish so that worked really well for just getting my channel going and I never thought it'd be to this point where I could actually consider making a living off of it. But here I am. That's the, the plan for this summer. Wow. Yeah. And do you have like up in North Dakota, do you have to get like a guide license or anything like that to, to take people out on trips or an outfitter's license or anything? You know, I've been doing some research on that and I'm looking more at the Minnesota side because once Minnesota's season opens, there's just so much more water to fish over there. And I haven't really found anything other than, like, on the Mississippi and Lake of the Woods, um, waters that are controlled by the Coast Guard. I know you have to have a special license, but other than that, I haven't found any information that you need a specific well, <laughs> type of license or something. I but I, I don't know. I, I, I can tell totally you you're going to stay busy. You're going you're gonna to stay busy for sure. <laughs> now, if, yeah, people, yeah. if people want to hire you and take you out, how do you want – do you want to just reach out, like, on your YouTube channel, or how do you – if people want to hire you, how did, how would they go about doing that? Um, yeah, you can get a hold of me on YouTube. My my email is basically my YouTube name, ndyakangler at yahoo.com. You can email me or find me on Facebook. Okay. You can type in uh, ndyakangler on Facebook. I think my profile under Matt Nelson will pop up on there, too. And, yeah, that, that's usually how people have been getting a hold of me. I, I mean, I haven't really put it out there at all, but. So far, I've got six people lined up for the summer, just people that have found me on Facebook and sent me a message asking me if I'd be willing to guide them for a day or two. And mm. Mm. Sure. Yeah, I think that you'll probably do find a lot of people willing to, <laughs> yeah. to go out with you. I mean, yeah. it, the like when people talk, your, your channel just, it's kind of probably weird for you to hear this, but like, you know, just in general conversation with other people that fish for a river smallmouth, your channel does come up like frequently, I would say. And people are like, yeah. you know, did you see that one where he caught the 20 incher in the net? You know, he wasn't even, he had another fish on and he caught a 20 incher in the net. Or <laughs> yeah, something. dude, you got to tell us that story or because the, that, that was thing comes up, you know, so yeah, yeah that, I, I still can't believe that happened. Yeah. That was probably the most, as like a seasoned fisherman, I can appreciate the ridiculousness of that. What the heck, dude? How did you get a freaking 20 incher to swim in your net? Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. I wasn't even trying. But you know, there's been so many times where I'm reeling in a fish, and you see two or three other nice fish chasing it. It's usually reeling in a little one. And you'll see a big one chasing it, and you're just wishing that little one would spit it in the big one and grab your lure. But no, I just got lucky that time. Yeah. I got the little fish in the net, and I must have just tipped it down in the water enough for for one of those big ones to chase it in. And Yep. Probably, probably one in a million thing. It, it, it'll never happen to me again. But 
you know, you spend enough time out on the water. Experiencing, and I, you know, I'm not discounting your towel or anything. You obviously got to be fishing some good waters, but how how many? So we consider like a trophy, like 20 inches. That's kind of like where our like uh, you know gauge for a, um, a trophy fish, yeah, trophy smallmouth is. Consider. Yeah, real nice smallie too, twenty incher. Yeah, so how many twenty inchers do you, would you say you catch like in an average season? An average season? Oh, that's tough. Probably thirty or forty. Oh, oh my god! I mean, I mean, most days I can go out and catch at least one. Um, it's not always guaranteed, but but then I'll have. I've had several days where I'll catch five or six. I think I think I've had two trips where I caught seven. Dude, well, just so you know, your twenty or better. And, and I, I, I'm extremely lucky to have waters that produce that kind of fish. <laughs> dude, dude yeah, that is that is so ridiculous. That is like, crazy, dude, that's just that's just stupid. Yeah, like I yeah. I can't even believe that we catch. I caught uh, last year. I caught three twenty inches, and I was like, man, I had a really good year. Chris didn't even hit twenty on the board. I caught, I caught about ten nineteen inches, but I didn't catch a single twenty. And dude, we fish. Probably on in the you know spring summertime when we're we're out at least twice a, a week. I'm also a fly yeah. fisherman. So which which is one of our other questions here. Have you ever thought about fly fishing? Um, I have thought about it specifically for the the mayfly hatch that happens every summer. Um, that, that'd be such a blast fishing, fishing those with the fly fishing yeah. setup. But um, no, I, I've never fly fished before. I've thought about how difficult it would be out of a kayak, but as long as you don't have a bunch of other rods back behind you and stuff, it probably wouldn't be that much of a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's something I'm still thinking about. Maybe picking up a fly fishing setup for the summer and giving it a little practice and try not to end up with a fly in the back of my head or anything. Well, just go go start on some bluegill, and once you figure out how to catch a bluegill on a fly rod, you can catch a smallmouth on a fly rod for sure. So yeah. Uh, all right, here's another here's another uh, listener question. Uh, why no uh, PFD when you're out kayak fishing? Ooh. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good one. I get asked that quite a bit. Um, I, know, I always yeah. have one on board because I'm required to by law. But um, I, I grew up, like I said, out at a lake. I was pretty much in the water from the time we got done eating breakfast until sunset. So I'm a really good swimmer. Um, a lot of these rivers that I fish, they're, they're not really deep. Where if I do fall in... I'll be able to touch bottom, um, but I'm pretty confident in my abilities. I, I practice deep water reentry, and I'll hop out of the kayak and go for a swim on a hot summer day. Hey um, Matt, I'm like gonna it. I'm gonna speak for all the listeners. Um, we don't want you to die because we want to keep watching your videos. So wear PFT. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you one for free. All right, here's yeah, another. Yeah. Here's... Well, I, I have my inflatable one, and I mean I'll, I'll put it on anytime I'm feeling like I'm doing something risky. Um, yeah. the weather picks up or I'm going through some, some real rapid stuff I'm not familiar with, but I mean, I, I spent thousands of hours on, on a couple of different rivers that I fish over the summer. And I mean, I, I know I'm like the back of my hand. Um, yeah. Another thing too, I, I just feel like if I fall in and in, in fast moving water, it's going to be easier for me to swim back to my kayak. If I don't have a, a PFD restricting my, my motion, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd recommend for anybody that's not a strong swimmer is definitely a good idea to wear one because yeah it's the last thing you want to do is fall in and struggle to get back into your kayak 
Sure. Okay. Uh, and here's here's one that came from uh, one of our, our buddies here, Derek Burton. Uh, we told him that you're going to be coming on here, and he had a kind of an interesting question. One of the things that I think makes the way you approach river smallmouth fishing unique is your minimalist kind of tackle. Um, is that is that by design? You just don't like all the clutter? Uh, and then his kind of a follow-up question to that, uh, have you always been, or, or are you always super organized in, in all um, aspects? Yeah, yeah, I kind of have OCD about my, my tackle. I'll spend a couple hours a night before I head out to the river just getting everything organized making sure my tackle box is stocked up with everything I need. But, but yeah, I definitely have half a dozen or so favorite lures that I throw quite frequently. Um, they always seem to work for me, and something's working. Why change it? Sure. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I wouldn't mind trying a few new things. I've got a new, couple couple new lures from Tackle Warehouse the other day I plan on throwing this summer. And, yeah, that was a good yeah. thing to change it up so, so the content video wise doesn't get stale at least well those those top water videos i don't think are gonna get stale yeah this, anytime soon. <laughs> it's, it's tough to not throw the whopper plopper on those summer days because you know it's just gonna get smashed well you just <laughs> added that like what last year maybe or or did you do it two years ago as well because you were kind of a, uh, spook, a spook guy right yeah yep i've been throwing that one quite a while um i think the whopper plopper i've been throwing for two or three years now Two for sure, maybe three. I'd have to go back in my videos and look, but I'll have you know, yeah. Matt, that I have a lure named after you in my box. Oh. Um I call it the NDX special and it is a redhead spook junior with the feather oh, yeah. treble on the back. And I've yeah. done quite well with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah those, those things are great. That's one of my favorite lures too. Sure. Have you ever um have you ever thought about doing those like KBF monthly challenges? Uh, or anything like that? Um, yeah, I, I thought about it. Um, back when I first got into kayak fishing, I, I did a few uh, smaller local tournaments with the Minnesota Kayak Fishing Association back when it was maybe a dozen guys in the group. And yeah, I won a couple of them. And I think the next year I just kind of decided I'd focus more on the video and not having to worry about pulling out a tournament identifier and making sure I get a good picture just kind of makes me feel like doing all that might disrupt my, my video flow. So what you're saying, so, it was too easy to win, so you just <laughs> stopped doing yeah, it. Yeah, I figured I'd let somebody else have a shot at it. Wow, <laughs> <be> yeah. <laughs> but no, that's something I'm, I'm kind of considering for this year. But I don't know, I'm, I'm just not that competitive about fishing. For me, it's just more about getting out there and having fun. Sure. more about de-stressing than adding more stress about worrying about what, what kind of fish somebody else is catching and and all that yeah have uh what's your num what's your i guess i guess i don't want to assume but what are your uh favorite species to to chase is smallmouth number one and then what's number two yeah uh, definitely bass smallies on top largies on second which is weird because like my whole family is a bunch of walleye fishermen they, even even when i was a kid i was more interested in bass and my uncles were like what the heck is wrong with you <laughs> um yeah, bass are definitely my favorite. Um, catfish are fun. That's pretty much what got me back into fishing here on the Red River. So I like to chase those every now and then. Um, pike must be if I can hook into them. They kind of scare me a little bit, but that was fun <laughs> to hook into a big one. So um, 
we kind of we usually ask this to most of our guests that are avid fishermen, but um, I gotta ask, what's your personal best, man? What's what's your personal best length of smallmouth? My personal best. Um, well, the biggest one by length uh, was one that I caught back in the 2013. It was my second year. I was really fishing smallmouth, so I still kind of consider it somewhat beginner's luck. But it was 22 and three eighths inches long and it weighed six pounds two ounces now, now I, did, I did catch one that was probably heavier than that a couple of springs ago that was i think it was about 21 inches long but I, i'm guessing that fish was probably about six and a half pounds um i pulled it off a bed before it had dropped its eggs and then uh, a buddy of mine and myself we went back a few days later and he caught it after it had spawned out and we weighed it and it was 513 so i'm guessing that one would probably be closer mm. to six and a half when i caught it Whew, yeah a few days prior but yeah i'm still still looking for something to beat that one i've been saying i should get a replica made of that fish and then it's again i'll give it one more year and see if i can beat it and i've just been saying that the last like four years yeah our uh our kind of quest uh we we start actually started with a blog we don't really blog is it kind of transformed in this podcast but it's quest for 23 and our yep our uh, goal is to catch a 23-inch river smallmouth. So it honestly makes me feel kind of shitty that you haven't done that <laughs> because yeah. I don't know if that will ever happen. <laughs> I, I, I've seen a couple swimming around in that river that I'm pretty sure were, were that size. But, I mean, those big fish, if you get close enough to see them, chances are that they know that you're there and they're yeah. smart enough to not want anything to do with your lure. Yeah, so kind of switching gears on you a little bit. I want to get get a little more in the detail about how you fish and kind of your approach to fishing. One thing that I've noticed uh, that you do quite frequently um, is you sight fish a lot. Um, I, I see you you actually physically see the fish. You cast at it. The fish hits. What like? I get, how did you develop that? Was that kind of like something you always do? Is is the water like super clear there? Like, get, tell me a little bit about the value of sight fishing. Yeah, well, uh, one of the rivers I fish, is, the water is usually pretty clear. Um, let's say anywhere from like five to eight foot visibility. And that's really what makes that possible. Um, there's just so many bass in there. I can just stand up on my kayak and float downstream and I'll, I'll see them swimming around and be able to throw my lure at them if I'm sneaky enough and I don't alert them to my presence. But it's just such a fun way to catch them once you kind of get that down where you see a few fish swimming and you throw your jig or your topwater lure at them and you actually watch them come up and eat it. I mean, it's addictive catching them like that. So um makes for a good video too if you can get that on video where you actually get to see the fish come up and hammer the lure. Yeah, I saw the Mayfly video. I was watching that last night, and you throwing that little Heldermite yeah. thing, and you threw it at one, and you're like, no, nah, I don't think he's going to get it. And then you're like, oh, here he comes. And you could just see this shadow moving toward it, and it just blasted it right next yeah. to your kayak. Oh, it's, it's I wild, dude. I just spooked that fish, because that's the day that I was fishing that old uh, crazy crawler lure that I did a video with earlier last summer. And that, that particular fish, I think I threw there threw that lure at it for about 15 minutes before I put that rod down and grabbed that Helger bite. So I thought for sure mm. that fish was not going to bite and he knew I was there, but no, he chased mm. that thing all the way back to the boat. And Wow. Yeah. 
I mean, that's you get cool. A, they, they get into that feeding frenzy kind of mood, and you know, they're a little bit more willing to hit stuff right next to you. So do you um, ever have, like, a bad day of fishing then? <laughs> uh, yeah, it happens. Not not so much in the summer. I can always manage to catch a few nice ones out there. But, I mean, spring fishing when the water's still cold, I usually get skunked a few times. Yeah. Do you guys have uh, open water all year round up there? Do you guys freeze out? Um, 99% of the water's frozen up here. I, I'm just waiting for a day where the... the temperature gets up above freezing so i can get my kayak out there's a couple stretches of river that stay open um one in minnesota of course minnesota their season closes uh what is it february 23rd i believe and then it opens up the second saturday of may so during that time you you can't even really target bass unless you're on a border water or something with special regulations um north dakota on the other hand they're open all year round you can target them whenever um the thing is there's really limited areas with open water until mid-April when the ice starts going out. Um, there's, there's one stretch of river that I can go fish, but for the most part, the smallies are downstream under ice. I can usually catch some walleye or pike there if I get out this time of year, but yeah, we've got a couple months still until the smallies start biting. Yeah. Do you do any ice like, fishing? Um, I, I do a little bit. I don't get into it quite as much. Well, I don't get into it nearly as much as I do with kayak fishing, but yeah, I, I might go try to find some smallies through the ice. I did try that earlier this year. Um, I, I fished a couple spots where I find them late fall. I drilled probably a hundred holes and I marked a bunch of fish. I just could not get them to bite, hmm. but I've heard late winter getting into March, they get a little bit more active. So I might go give them another try and see if I can hook into a few. Hmm. So we're, uh, planning a trip we've <laughs> this is like the third year in a row we've tried to go up to um upper mississippi and i know you fish that some um what's that I, I it doesn't seem like you fish that like a ton but what do what do you think of that upper mississippi river is that is that pretty pretty good good fishery yeah yeah mississippi is, is a great river um it, it reminds me a lot of the other rivers i fish it's just about five times as wide but it's a similar kind of river. You got a lot of shallow, rocky spots, few deeper holes. Um, yeah, it's a really great stretch of river. There, there's certain stretches that get a lot more pressure than others. So if you can get up north a little bit farther, I know uh, like the Clearwater area, they got the the outfitters there. So I mean, there's fucking fishing there. That that stretch of river gets a lot of traffic. So I, I try to I try to get to those areas that don't get hit quite as hard. Hmm. Mm, well, we might but, hit yeah, you up to try to find out where to go then. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Mississippi is definitely a, an awesome river. There's, there's a ton of big smallmouth in there. You can have a good old time on that river. Um, yeah, so it's just a little bit farther drive than, than the other rivers I fish, but I, I always try to make a few trips over there over so, the course of the summer. So from a, like a timeline perspective, like the fish, I'm curious, because I had a, a guide from Wisconsin on last night, and uh i kind of asked him the same question what's your like um obviously this isn't going to be a static answer because it changes from year to year but generally speaking like when do you see like the seasonal changes like spawn post-spawn summer and uh fall like what what's your kind of like bookmarks up there like when they when they start to do their different different stuff yeah um 
Well, around here, uh, it usually seems about mid-May until the end of the month, maybe even a weekend in June is when the fish will actually be on beds. Um, and then a week or two into June, they'll start finding them upstream a little bit farther um, in some of the faster water. Um, they'll start hitting top water. Um, they kind of seem to go into that summer mode relatively fast after after they leave the beds. I was kind of surprised. I was catching big big female smallmouth on top water maybe three or four days after I was pulling them off bed last mm-hmm. year. Um, and yeah, mo- I mean, most of the summer it's it's pretty much the same thing. They'll they'll be upstream, kind of little little slack areas off the main current. We'll usually be holding fish. And they'll hang out there pretty much all summer until, I'd say, early to mid-October. Once the water temperature starts dropping down into the low 50s, they, they seem to start moving off the, the fast-moving stretches of the river. And a lot of the stretches of the river I fish, they flow into a lake or a reservoir, and those mm. fish will actually move into that, that deeper, slower-moving water once the, once the water temperature gets down. About 50 degrees seems to be the the water temperature where I, I don't find nearly as many fish up on the river anymore. Okay. So you kind of chase them into the, into the flowages then, um, as the fall, fall weather hits then. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. We don't have a lot of that here. We have mostly. They're living. <sighs> yeah. We don't have a lot of, we don't flow it. We don't have flowages really. I mean, there are areas where, where that's prevalent, but. Yeah, for the yeah, most part, we have to find wintering holes like slow-moving parts of the river. That's where we're doing yeah, yeah. our those type of fishing. So, yeah, there's, there's a couple stretches of the river where I got to do that too, where they don't flow into anything, and yeah, just look for that that slow water, like the Mississippi too. Um, I mean, I don't do a lot of wintertime fishing, but but I've, I've floated the Mississippi a couple of times in February, and yeah, it's just I always look for those, not necessarily the deepest holes out there, but usually four or five six foot of water where the current slows down a little bit where they got that slack water or, or slow current moving through there that's the, the kind of spots that'll find them in cold weather now do you have like a destination that you uh that you would love to go chase smallmouth in um yeah uh the Susquehanna I mean, river yeah, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that, that's that's well, about the only other thought. place that'll be even close to what you experience up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We would invite you yeah. to Indiana, but it yeah. it would it would be very disappointing. So Susquehanna's yeah. on the list. Any others? Um, yeah, uh, I'd like to just go explore some of the lakes up in the Boundary Waters area. I mean, it's so beautiful up there, and I've seen some some pictures and video of huge smallies caught up there. Um, mm. yeah. So do you, uh, I'm curious on your, your kind of like approach to kayak fishing. So we, we fish pretty similar rivers to you. Um, but we do probably, we're, we're either waiting or we're doing like point to point floats where we put in, you know, we float downstream, we take out, I've noticed you spend a lot of your time paddling upstream and I'm guessing that's one reason you keep that tarpon because it's pretty sleek paddling boat yep. um what's your like uh you know theory behind doing that um well it all depends like if i'm going out there with a buddy and we're both driving yeah we'll float a whole stretch but i honestly prefer to fish working my way upstream for me it's just easier maintaining control of the kayak 
Um, I feel like I can be more stealthy having the fish upstream from me rather than, uh, especially right. if I hop out and wade fish, I'm not kicking up silt and stuff that's drifting down towards the fish, possibly alerting them that I'm there. Um, one thing that's really changed my ability to fish downstream is that power pole anchor. So once I, yeah. once I get upstream as far as I want to paddle and I turn around, I can, I can drop that anchor and really hit some of those log jams and stuff from, from the other side. Do you ever to... do you ever find that gets like caught in the trees? Because I honestly, you've inspired me to get one, <laughs> but I, I'm like hesitant because I'm like, man, that thing would be getting caught in the trees all the time. What do you have that problem with it? Uh, yeah, it happens every now and then, but a lot of times I can just drop it down a couple of feet, not not so it's digging into the bottom, just to give myself a little bit more more clearance there. But yeah, there have been a couple of times where I'm just floating downstream and. I think I'm going to make it underneath a low branch, but I don't. And then it just gets hang up, hung up on there. And yeah, that's not, not really a big, big deal though. I just, uh, mm. back off that spot a little bit or drop the anchor, let myself float through. Mm. But yeah, it is something that you have to be aware of that you got a six or seven or eight foot pole off the, the back of your kayak it makes getting underneath some of the bridges a little bit more difficult. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's 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 well worth it to to have that that ability to stop and remain completely still and not be swaying all over the place in the current. Yeah, probably the best piece of equipment that I've added to my fishing arsenal. All right, man, you sold me. Itself. I'm getting one. <laughs> yeah. What? Uh. <clears throat> so, I mean, I don't want you to go into too much, you know, in the way of specifics here, but. Uh, the rivers that you that you fish regularly, I mean, is there a lot of is there a lot of fishing pressure on those rivers? I mean, like do you do you see other people out on the water? I mean, it seems like you have it kind of to yourself out there. Yeah, uh, a lot of times I do. Um, like I said, like with my old job, I was lucky to only have to do that a few days a week. So, I mean, if I could get out on the river during the week, it was pretty much guaranteed I'd have the place to myself. Um, I mean, six years ago or so when I started fishing these rivers a lot, I mean, I barely ever saw anybody out there. I think the first year I fished the one that I spent a lot of time in, in uh, Minnesota, I think I saw one other guy out there all summer. And every year it kind of seems like like the, the kayak fishing or just smallmouth fishing in general, it's growing a little bit more and more, and I'm seeing more and more people out there. I don't know if it's from people finding my spots on Google Maps and <laughs> together, but, but that, that is one reason why I, I try to keep the, the river name quiet on, on my yeah, videos because, <laughs> I mean, some of those videos are getting a lot of views. I mean, it's easy enough for people to figure it out, and I, I don't want people to go on Google Maps and end up going out to my spot, and I get out there, and there's three guys sitting on every spot I fish my videos. I mean, if we lived up by you, dude, we would just stalk you. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's been a lot of people that have found my spot and, out and there. The um, I remember last year I, I posted a video at this one particular stretch where I actually showed the launch, and then I went back there the next week, and there's there like eight cars parked there. Oh, my God. Doesn't that make uh, your stomach to, sink, dude? Yeah, you gotta, get there? Yeah, oh I got to quit showing those launches on the videos, <laughs> making it too easy for people to what find do you, it. But, what do you say when you no, run I mean, into those people? Every, everybody like, I've run into out there, they've they've all been good, respectful catch and release anglers, and I mean, yeah, that's I, good. I no problem as long as people aren't littering or anything like that. I have no problem with people showing up out there. A lot of the places I launch at, they aren't state-owned um, launches. They're they're owned by um, the power company or 
other private companies. So that's one mm. of my fears is too many people showing up there, leaving trash and stuff, and just no losing kick access you out. in those areas. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a constant battle. We we fight that too with this podcast. Is you know the thing is like we don't have near as many places to fish as you do. It's way way more sparse here, and it's like for us, you know, we want you know we want people to enjoy it. We want to get the right type of guys out there. But at the same time, you know, if you pull up to your spot and there's eight dudes there, that's a whole yeah. it's a whole different feeling than pulling up solo. Yeah. So you gotta walk I can feel my balance. blood pressure go up when that happens. Oh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Oh. I mean, you want to, you want to, I'm sure the part of the reason that you got into doing what you're doing is to kind of show people that you have great resources available and to, you know, and there are a lot of reasons why you create content. But for us, one of the reasons we wanted to do this was to kind of, inform Indiana anglers about the resources that are available to them. But at the same time, it is tough to strike that balance between getting people out to a place where they're going to enjoy the resources, but not ruin your time fishing on the water. I mean, it's a, it's a a tough balance for sure. So what do you, uh, do people recognize you when like, when you're out there and do they say, Hey, Indiana angler or anything like that when you're out there fishing? Oh, Oh yeah, I'd say last year probably seventy five percent of the, the other kayak fishermen I, I ran into out there were all, "Hey, love your videos, man." Well, I get I like, got that. Uh, last year I was walking down the road because uh, my brother and I did a point to point wade. So instead of you know wading back upstream, we just jumped up on the road. And one of our listeners drove by and he goes, "Smalley Talk Podcast." <laughs> Did you feel like driving. a real celebrity? No, he kept driving. He didn't even. Yeah, pick, yeah. He didn't even pick me up. I was like, "You <laughs> asshole!" Well, they could have at least offered to give me a ride back to my car. It was just like, yeah, just well, goes, "I recognize you," and then just kept driving. Well, what's really weird to me is when I go into the Shields Sporting Goods store here in Fargo, and people recognize me and start start asking um, about lures and stuff. Oh right. <laughs> like, man, yeah. Yeah. Most, most of the time, my, my videos these days are with the hat cam, anyway. So. It's, like yeah, they must be watching some of the old videos or actually show my mug in the video to recognize me like that. Right. Yeah. So what uh, specifically? I saw a question about this, so I'm going to ask it. Um, so those uh, like blade baits that you fish, I think you call them like cicadas or whatever yep. um, brand it is. Um, what's uh what's the story behind that? Because honestly, it's pretty obscure. Yeah, I've never. Uh, I I have to say I have thrown them for largemouth. Um, way way back in the day, but never fished for smallmouth. What what's the what's the the allure to this lure? Um, you know, it's it's a really good lure for for when you get murky water. It, it puts off a ton of vibration, so that really really draws those fish in. When you get high muddy water, the grass is flooded, and you got those fish tucked up in the grass, and you can rip those things right along that grass line. It'll it'll draw those fish out, but um, it worked really well for. For just uh, covering area too. I mean, I can that lure probably cast farther than any other lure in my tackle box. I was just fishing it the other day. I actually took my kayak out to a power plant lake a couple of weeks ago, um, and it had geez, I, I could almost spool my reel casting that thing out. Yeah. But it, it's a real versatile lure. You can you can jig it. You can I mean fish it like a lipless crank. Um, mm. And it it's kind of kind of like a lipless crank to me, except it's got vibration instead of the rattle um it just works real well for for drawing fish in and i mean i've fished that thing on, on lakes like malax and i did really well out there with that lure just 
tossing it out, ripping it up off the bottom. Is that how you say? Down. Is that how you say that instead of Millilax? It's Malax. I always say Millilax. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Malax. Yeah. We're we're a bunch of Midwesterners. We don't know that. What? Is it? Yeah. Minnesota's Midwest. <laughs> yeah, they're Upper Midwest. Yeah. Whole different ball game count. up there. They <laughs> no, they uh, don't. Yeah. So, what are you? Uh, any? You said you got some new lures from Tackle Warehouse. What are you? Uh, what are you excited about trying out this year? Um, I got a couple of the uh, the river to sea nest trader lures that look like a little uh, salamander, and really kind of interested to try those for for bed fishing this spring. Hey Matt, um, you ca- you kind of broke up there. What did what did you say you had? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Got a couple of the the river to sea nest raiders. They kind of look like nest a little uh, yeah. salamander. Yeah, oh, okay. uh, that one I'm really interested to try for bed fishing this spring. Um, yeah, well, that that answers another question we had. How do you feel about bed fishing? <laughs> oh, we already know. <laughs> I've yeah, seen yeah. I've seen you throw a you throw a wacky rig a lot. Wacky rig cinco um, for oh, bed yeah. fish. Um, What's your uh, what's your take on that? Do you you feel like you're, uh, you know, it's affecting the the spawn at all? What's your what's your take? Because there's obviously it's a pretty like divisive topic between fishermen. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it all depends on on where you're fishing. I, I know some places they get a lot of uh, bluegills and fish like that that are going to hop on those empty nests and just devour the eggs. Um, one thing I like about the river where I do a lot of bed fishing is you just don't really have the, the panfish or rock bass or anything like that that's going to jump on the, the nest and, and eat those eggs while the fish are off. Um, so, I mean, as long as I, I get the fish in, release it quickly, I try to get them back in the water within 20 seconds. And last year I did a lot of uh, where I'd stick a camera down on the nest and I counted out one where I released. I think it was back on the nest in like 18 seconds or something like that. So hmm. as long as you get them back in the water quick and there's not a lot of uh, old nest rating type fish around, my opinion is it doesn't really affect hmm. their spawn that much. No, that's that's interesting, man, because uh, most people will probably just assume you don't give a shit. So that's, oh, no, that's, no. that's interesting that, you know, you actually have like a method – you know that you yeah, you know you are caring about that, and yeah, and that, that was actually really against bed fishing back before I kind of did it a few times and realized that it wasn't really affecting the fish. But hmm. yeah, you just got to be careful if you're fishing. Um, well, I would say you have... like lakes where you get a lot of panfish around. You don't want those those panfish jumping on the bed and mm-hmm. eating all the eggs while the the big smallies away. It doesn't look like you have a real problem with smallmouth population on your rivers. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're definitely the, the dominant game species in, in all these stretches of river that I fish. Yeah, that's wild. 30 to 40, 20 inches a year. Dude, that's going to haunt me in my, my that's going to be in my nightmares. Your, your email, as this yeah. episode goes live, your email is just going to be going ding, 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 with people yeah. trying to go book you to God. <laughs> I, I do spend a lot of time out there, though. Um, a lot of times in the summer, I'll get out there at sunrise, and I'll be out there till sunset. Hmm. Maybe not on, on one stretch of river, but I'll, I'll fish half of the day on one stretch, pack it up, go hit another stretch for the rest of the day. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, like the videos that you post, like even the 18s, the I mean, they're just a different... Because I think their metabolism is slower up there, so they're thicker fish than what we see down here. They're just... it's uh, They're big, you know? Hmm. So. Y- 
yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna extend this invite out. I don't know if you'd be interested or not, but we we're gonna be up your way um, on Memorial. So we do an annual Memorial Day trip, Memorial Day weekend trip. So we're there from like I think this year. What are we going, Chris? Like Wednesday through Saturday, like Wednesday through Sunday. Yeah, we'd love to have you join us one day. Um, yeah. Do we're gonna be on the Upper Mississippi and adjoining rivers? We're not gonna name them, but we have a couple ideas around there. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, man, we we love to have you know have a celebrity with us. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah, man, well, I feel weird when people say that. <laughs> does that make you feel weird? Like when people when people recognize you or treat you like you're kind of like a celebrity? Is that weird? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It is kind of yeah. weird. I mean, it is. Yeah. I'm just a guy that likes to get out there and fish and. Yeah. Where it goes oh, man. On my head. <laughs> I mean, people, I'm sure, I don't know if you follow our social media stuff or whatever, but I mean, the people that we, we asked for questions and you've been like, people commented that you are the, the Bob Ross of small mouth fishing. <laughs> yeah. people, people just didn't want to ask you a question. They like froze up like, like children. And they said, just, just tell him we said, thank you for his videos. <laughs> People, you know, so, you know, I, I don't know, just from, from two guys here in Indiana and from all the people that listen to our podcast for sure, you know, the videos that you put out are great. We appreciate them. They bring a lot of positive uh, attention to the sport that we all enjoy, the fish that we all enjoy. So thank you. Keep it up for sure. We all look forward to seeing what you have to put together and put out this year, yeah. uh, especially now that you have a little more time on your hands. So Keep it up for sure. Thanks a lot. Anything else you want to say to the uh, to the listeners here? Um, yeah, I just like to say thanks to everybody for watching my videos. I mean, couldn't couldn't be doing what I'm doing without without all these awesome people that watch them. And I mean, the comments I get it's I mean 99.9% just positive stuff. I get a few trolls every now and then, but yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. it's just such such a great community. The, the kayak fishing and river smallie guys. <laughs> really a great bunch of people and a lot of the times when i run into people out on the river we'll sit and bs for half hour or so and just talk fishing so i mean it's always kind of fun yeah man you're you're the you said you used to watch bill dance and jimmy houston videos but i got something to tell you you're the new age bill dance and jimmy houston well so good deal (laughs) all right well hey thanks matt we appreciate it uh thanks for coming on and uh obviously we'll have you back on uh at a later time yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. And yeah, we'll have to keep in touch. Maybe we'll meet up this spring and, and yeah. play some smallies. Yes, Absolutely. sir. Thanks. All right. We'll talk to you later. And as always, free right. the fighter. Free the fighter. Yeah. All right. Yep. Absolutely. All right. See you, man.